Welcome to Believe with Becky. This is the podcast where we practice the skill of confidence, celebrate individual strengths, and believe in your limitless potential for growth. I'm your host, Becky Smith. Hey, friends. I just want to say thank you to those of you who took the time to leave me a review. I know that it does take time out of our busy schedules to try to figure it out and to do that. And so I appreciate it so much. And I just wanted to read a review that was left. It says, Becky does a great job of exploring different aspects of our mind. She is a life coach that is genuinely curious about how to do life better. She is informative and educational. It feels like we are learning alongside her into different ways we think and act. So enjoyable to listen to. And again, I just want to say thank you and encourage the rest of you to please take a moment and leave me a review. It really helps other people to find my podcast. I also would like to share with you some of the transformation that I have noticed recently in my life. I was with one of my brothers, and he told me, he said, Becky, I just got to tell you that you are so different. And I was like, what? He's like, different in a really good way. You are radiant. You are confident. You are more of yourself than I have ever seen you. And then he did say, well, it's not that I didn't like the way you were before. And I'm like, I know, I know. (laughs) He's like, but this version of you is really great. And so I just really attribute that to all the work that I've done um, with life coaching. And I, I do see the transformation in my life. And I know that it's not as visible to everyone as maybe weight loss transformation or a makeover, but it is a makeover of my mental and emotional health, and I really do feel it. And it's the reason why I do this podcast. Um, I also noticed being around family. I don't know if you've ever noticed, but sometimes family can bring up (laughs) the worst in us and our insecurities. And I just didn't feel that as much this time. I'm not saying it was perfect, but I didn't get upset over things that I would have gotten upset over. I didn't feel insecure over things I would have before. And I just was able to enjoy and love the people around me. And what a gift. So today I want you to enjoy this podcast. I want you to enjoy this conversation that I had with my friend Shelby. There's lots of good things to learn from. And again, thank you for listening. Welcome to the podcast, everyone. Today I have a special treat. I have a good friend of mine, Shelby Hansen, who we met at life coach training and we ended up being roommates. Neither of us knew anything about the other and we both just decided to be brave and save some money (laughs) and be roommates. And it turned out that we totally clicked and we just had such a great time getting to know each other and I just got to learn such fascinating things about Shelby. She is such an inspiration. And in this conversation, you'll get to hear more about that and why I wanted to have her on the podcast. So Shelby, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much. I'm really excited. 
Yeah, thanks so much for doing this. Now, I don't know if I mentioned that you live in Michigan, so there was just a little bit of the time difference. So I might have a little bit of a morning voice because it's not really early for me, but, <laughs> yeah, you know, I had to like make special plans. And <laughs> so anyway, so I'm so glad you're here. And can you just uh, tell us about yourself? Yeah, sure. So um, I grew up with my dad was in the military, so we moved all over the place. Um, so grew up in a lot of different places in the country and growing up, like I always really loved writing. I loved going to the beach, went to high school in Hawaii and um, always loved doing crafty things. When I went to college, I studied communication disorders and got my master's in that. I met my husband at BYU and uh, got married in the middle of my degree. And he actually joined the Air Force and moved to Ohio in the middle of my master's. So I kind of did a commute for that. And then um, my my first son was born right before, right the, actually the day that I would have walked for my graduation. Oh, for, I didn't know that. Communication <laughs> disorders. So um, we had a little celebration in Ohio. We got out of the hospital that day. And um, so now we have four kids. Um, there, I have a, my son's now 11. I have two daughters that are nine and six and a son that is two. And since we've been married, I've lived both my husband and I, we've lived in seven different states as well as Japan for a couple of years. Um, And like you said, we live in Ann Arbor, Michigan now, and my husband's getting a PhD in aerospace engineering. And then we will, then he'll be teaching at the air force grad school in Ohio after that. So. Wow. Yeah. I forgot about all the places that you've lived in Hawaii and Japan. And that seems so like exotic and I I, probably not always exotic, you know, moving around, but um, I'm sure you have really good experiences and stories to tell and things. Oh, yes. (laughs) All right. So Shelby, one thing that is unique about you is that you have had a kidney transplant. Yep. <laughs> and so that's not your average everyday thing. And so I was wondering if you would tell us a little about that journey. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So while we were living in Japan, um, I had, I ended up having my third baby in Japan. My other kids were five and three and uh, we moved away. We moved across the world when she was eight weeks old. Oh, wow. And then we moved across the country two months later. And then a year after that, we moved across the country again. So by the time she was, before she was one and a half, we'd done all of those moves. Oh, wow. There was a lot going on. And we moved to Florida. We ended up there. And um, when we moved there, I was just like, my life is overwhelming. I'm exhausted. And so I just chalked it up to a lot of changes. Yeah. And so I, I was sleeping for 12 hours at night. I was taking naps and I still felt exhausted. And I just felt like this overwhelming nausea and especially like in the winter time. And so when it, when it got warmer, I started to feel better. So I just thought, oh, this must just be like postpartum stuff or, you know, I'm just a mom with, with kids and don't get a lot of, you know, don't get a lot of sleep before. So I'm just catching up. Yeah. So, um, I kept, so in, in August of 2013, I'd had like perfect lab results. And then in March of 2015, I wanted to get a better life insurance policy. So I had some labs taken for that. And my husband was actually on a business trip in Japan for a month when I got a letter from the life insurance company that I'd been denied coverage because of my labs. 
So I called one of my friends that was a nurse and she listened to my labs and told me I need to call the doctor right away. And when I called the doctor, I went into the doctors and they, um, they looked, they took one look at me and they said, you know, we'll, we'll do the labs to be sure, but I'm sure it's a mistake. You're fine. And so they redrew the labs and the next day my phone was ringing off of the hook oh, because wow. the labs were right. And I had been diagnosed with being in stage four kidney disease. Oh, wow. Yeah. And then, yeah. And <laughs> so I underwent. Yours was healthy too. The doctors were like, yeah. oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. That's crazy. I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So then what happened next? Well, I, I went under, like I went, underwent every test that there was under the sun to figure out what went wrong. And one of them is a biopsy that they'll do for your kidney. So they actually put a needle through your kidney and they pull out a little piece and see it under a microscope to look for the damage. And when they looked at it, the damage was too extensive. So they were never able to fully determine why my kidneys failed. Wow. So that's still an unknown. It still is an unknown. I have been genetically diagnosed with a with a kidney disease um, called Alport syndrome. That's a very rare genetic condition, but my symptoms to the experts don't match up with that disease. So again, it's just like, they were like, is it autoimmune? Like, did you get really sick? We just, we really don't know what happened. So I went from thinking I was a perfectly healthy 31 year old mom of three to realizing actually how sick I was. Yeah. So what was the next step? Um, so like I spent from about March until probably, I don't know, till the end of the summertime and the beginning of the fall, just trying to figure out what was going on. And then in January, we went to New Orleans and I got, um, I actually started to get listed for a kidney transplant. So um, I passed all of the tests because otherwise I'm completely healthy, except for my kidneys are the only thing that's wrong. Yeah. And so um, they put me on the list in January of 2016. And then, um, and then I found out very unexpectedly on Father's Day of that year that I was pregnant with her fourth child. Wow. <laughs> so surprise, <laughs> surprise. And Pregnancy has never been anything that's come easy for me. So it was a complete shock. Wow. We've always had to very, be very intentional about planning pregnancies. Yeah. So um, when, I, when I went into the doctors, they looked at my whole, my, my health overall. And um, they said that I would probably end up on dialysis. The first OB that I had told me that I should get an abortion and that there was no way that this pregnancy would end well. And that's there would be birth defects and, um, yeah, that it just, wow. it wasn't going to be a good situation. Wow. That takes some faith to, not <laughs> yeah. Listen to them. yeah. And, and of course it's like already being sick on top of it and then nurturing another baby, another life inside yeah. of you. Kidneys are sick. It, it was difficult. It was really difficult. Um, my, 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 kidney levels actually ended up getting a little bit better, which happens in pregnancy. And Mm. they said it possibly was because the baby's kidneys were kind of filtering some of the blood for me too. Oh, wow. Luckily, um, and miraculously, everything went smoothly with the pregnancy. I didn't lose any kidney function during the pregnancy. And uh, my son was born at full term and he's a perfectly healthy little two-year-old that is so awesome and a great addition to our to our life. 
Wow. That's really neat. That's amazing. <laughs> so, yeah. so then fast forward, we're, we're, um, my husband's in the air force. So we decide that we want to, you know, apply for PhD programs and he gets into the university of Michigan. So I transferred over my transplant time over to the university of Michigan. And on the 4th of July of last year, 2018, I got a phone call while I was out paddleboarding on a lake that I had been, um, selected to receive a deceased kidney donor, uh, donor's kidney. Yeah. And what that was that like? It was drop surreal. everything and come right totally, now. Yeah. yeah, it was totally surreal because um, number one, I didn't know if I would qualify for a kidney transplant because because of all of the pregnancies. They think um, I had developed a lot of antibodies in my blood, and I developed what they call what they what what they say is ninety nine percent sensitivity, meaning that my body, my, my specific body would reject 99 out of 100 kidneys that were offered oh to me. Oh my goodness. Oh my goodness. <laughs> so so when they did the initial cross match testing with this donor kidney, there was no compatibility issues. It was a complete miracle that it matched. And, and in, in Michigan, they said that the, the wait time for a kidney transplant was five to 10 years. And we were, yeah. we're only here for about three years. So I just thought I will just stay on the list here and keep accruing time. I didn't, I didn't think that I would actually get a transplant while we lived here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it flipped everything on its head for us, for sure. Yeah. So miracle number two, the baby and then the transplant. And yes. that's really neat. And it just it seemed like everything was pointing that direction. Like everything was pointing to, yes, get this kidney transplant. This is going to work out. This is, mm-hmm. this is the path. Yeah. So, so you get the transplant. So I get the transplant and, and everything is going great. Um, because the one thing that they had told me is that the the donor had come from, uh, across the country. Everything's coming from across the country. (laughs) (laughs) The United States is really big guys. So, um, we're coming. So it had been out of the donor body for over 24 hours, which is a very long time for, for, but it still is viable. It's just a long time. So they okay. told me that it was possible that the kidney could be sleepy and take a few days to kind of wake up and start working. Start So kidneys, it, for those of you that don't know about kidney disease, your kidneys basically filter all of the toxins in your body. And so when they can't, when they can't filter those toxins, the toxins um, run throughout your bloodstream. And that was what was making me feel nauseous. That's what was giving me that, that exhaustion. And my kidney function had deteriorated a, a bit in, since we had moved to Michigan. I got, mm-hmm. I think the lowest that I got down to is about 14% functioning. And so, um, so anyway, they came in, uh, they, they were ready to dis- discharge me from the hospital, but I, with four kids at home and a year and a half old baby, I was, I was really concerned about going home just a couple of days after surgery um, yeah. especially with my kidney not working quite yet. So after the surgery, the kidney had not quite kicked in yet, but they weren't worried about it. I wasn't worried about it. Um, mm-hmm. uh, so then the day that I would have been home, they actually came running into my room and told me, we don't think something's going wrong. We don't know what it is. We think that maybe the blood vessel, like one of the blood vessels is not getting blood flow to your new kidney. We need to take you in for an ultrasound. We might need to take this, this 
this transplant out today. Oh, must have been devastating to hear that. It was. And, and I just, it was just my husband and I there. And, um, I just quickly, I just, you know, I, I lost it. <laughs> totally lost yeah. it. Cause I was like, wait a second, everything's pointing this way. What's going yeah. on? I've yeah. already been through all the hard stuff of the kidney disease. Now I got the transplant. This is supposed to make things better. Yeah. So, it's supposed to be the happily ever after. Yes. Right. right? <laughs> so I said, I said that prayer uh, is the most earnest prayer. I feel like we've ever prayed in our lives. Um, my husband and I sitting on that, on, on the side of my bed in my hospital bed. And then they took me back for the ultrasound and came back and miraculously the blood flow was there. Um, the blood flow was there. And so the kidney, because it, without blood flow, obviously the kidney will, will die because it needs the blood flow to keep it alive. So, um, my, my, the toxicity, the creatinine levels in my blood had raised. And so, um, and it looked like I was having a slight rejection. So they ended up putting a port in my chest, which from about, it went from about from my collarbone um, down to right above, uh, like right at the level of my heart. And it was a, it was, it was a, it was a line that's, it's like a straw that they put that it goes directly into your heart. Oh, and, wow. Um, so this, so, and then it comes out of your neck, like right around where your collarbone is, like just above your collarbone. And so, um, they took me back and I did IVG, IVIG and plasmapheresis where they took my, the blood out of my body and infused it with donor plasma and then put it back in to, to lower the antibodies that my body had built up against this kidney. Okay. So, um, it was, it, it, and so we did that for a little while and then it was just a waiting game and, and were you in the hospital this whole time? Cause like having a port like that, I right actually, from your heart doesn't seem, <laughs> yeah, I'd actually seem gotten like you could go home or walk right, around. Right. I had gotten released. And so, okay. um, yeah, I was at home. I had got, I had to get that. I think that was a hard part too. I had gotten discharged for a couple of days and then had to get readmitted and like, and know that I was getting readmitted. It was, it was yeah. tough. So, um, yeah. And then a little bit after that, it looked like the rejection had disappeared. So they, they were able to take the port out, um, after about a week of it being in and it was just a waiting game. And so I sat at my house every day, seeming like it was a week and I waited. I'm sure. And they, they were doing biopsies in the meantime, they'd already done two biopsies of the new kidney, which was putting that needle in and kind of puncturing it and injuring it a little bit more just to make sure what was going on. And then, um, they were, they had my third uh, biopsy scheduled seven weeks after this, um, transplant. And I remember the phone call that said, your creatinine finally went down. Uh, you don't have to do the, you don't have to do the biopsy tomorrow. Oh, that's so great. And so yeah. it's been up and down and up and down. I'm now almost 10 months out of, um, from, from the transplant. And so, um, it, it, the, the road has not been easy. I've been hospitalized again since, but, um, 
I feel like I'm finally coming out of a fog and I feel like I am starting to, to get into what that new normal looks like. And my creatinine has never really recovered to the point that the doctors would like it to, but it's also, it's just fine. And I feel just fine. Yeah. Yeah. I remember you saying that, that you're like, it's not perfect, but it's just like enough. Yes. It's okay. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good. Yeah. That's, that's quite the story, Shelby. (laughs) (laughs) So how do you not, like, there's a quote I like that says, worry is a misuse of your imagination, but like, how do you not worry about your health? Oh, sometimes I do. How do do you manage that? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, I definitely do worry because, um, I mean, how can you not? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. How can you not? But I also, some, yeah. some, there's some things that I do that really help me with that worry. Um, and one of them I think is, uh, is, is just the, the, one of the best tools that I learned at, um, at the coach training that we went to was really taking it down to the facts of the story and getting really neutral about it and realizing that circumstances yeah. are neutral. All of this stuff that's happened yes, to which me is-, is neutral and like, trying to think a million different ways about the, the facts that, that people, other people could have these opinions about it differently. Like I, yeah. I, I didn't ever go on dialysis. Like I, I look at the people yeah. that have been on dialysis and are waiting years upon years, yeah. some of them decades for a transplant and they would give anything to mm-hmm. have the story that I have that's been so difficult for me to go through. Okay. And so thinking it that way helps you too. Yeah. And also, I think uh, another something else that I've really that I've started in the past, um, I've stopped and started lots of times, but um, in the past couple of weeks, I've been really, um, I've been really into journaling. And really, uh, also, so what I've been doing is um, doing a quick, like 10 minute meditation in the morning to really get my Mm -hmm. mind cleared up of all of the thoughts that are that are going in my mind and realizing that mm-hmm. I am not my thoughts and yeah. that I just have thoughts. And then yes, that's so huge. <laughs> it's huge. huge. It's like the biggest yeah. thing. <laughs> yeah. And realizing that I could be wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a big one. And so, so go you, ahead. You talked about, um, like being grateful that like you weren't on dialysis mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. So how does gratitude, what role does it play and how, like, how do you use it in your life? Well, you know, I, when I was thinking about that, like about, about gratitude, um, I think that initially after the surgery that I wanted to go straight to gratitude, I wanted to be yeah. thankful no matter what. And because of that, I was resisting a lot of the trauma that was going on with me. And, um, you know, and I know that um, from a lot of the life coaching that my thoughts are the ones that caused me how how I feel, but but that I don't need to resist those thoughts, that I can just accept them, that I can just accept that I feel sorry for myself that I've had to go through this and and just really feel that. And I love that you said that. (laughs) So many people need to hear that. <laughs> yeah. Right? Because then we, we feel sorry for ourselves and then we judge ourselves yes. for it. And then we feel even worse. Yes. And then it's this big hole in this big size cycle 
no matter what's going on in our lives. So that's a very important point that you had to feel the pain. And we learned, we call it clean pain, right? Where it's just the pain that happens because that was a traumatic thing in your life. And you're going to have feelings and emotions and you're going to be mad, you know, and angry. (laughs) Like, and that's normal. And and you're going to be sad, you know, it's a loss. You like physically lost a part of your body. Yeah. Yeah. So, and so, and I, and I think that, you know, in my mind too, like I did have both of those things. Like I did feel really upset and disappointed and frustrated and I did feel grateful, but I wanted the grateful Mm -hmm. to override all of those negative emotions rather than just feeling those. Oh, good point. And it doesn't do that. No, no. Yeah. That's a good point. So, and I, you know, I, the other thing that I've really learned is that gratitude comes from noticing. Okay. It comes from noticing all of the things around us. Like, I think that, that we get immune to what we have in our lives and we get immune to the things that we are able to do and are able to accomplish. And we don't give ourselves credit. We don't give, um, God the credit, and so mm-hmm. when we notice those things that we're doing, whether if, especially, so I'll give you a little example about that. So, um, okay. when I, so after the surgery, they said that my, my muscle fascia was so weak from having so many pregnancies. And they said, I couldn't lift more than five pounds for three months, which doesn't sound like that bad unless you have a very active 18 month old baby that is your last baby. (laughs) Like you're done. You're not having any more kids. And so, um, so the first place that I went to after, after the surgery and after things had started to calm down was I went to the YMCA and this is, so I couldn't hold my son. So I couldn't, and I couldn't push him in a stroller. Like I couldn't do anything with him other than hold his hand. And I love my son so much. We joke that he, that his spirit animal is a sloth. (laughs) He is roly poly and the slowest thing, which is wonderful. I needed that, but I'm like, I, I love it. (laughs) I'm picturing you walking down the track. YMCA with the sloth. So there is a child watch, which is why I went to the YMCA. But getting him to go anywhere with me was like a snail's pace and like getting him in the car. Like I couldn't go anywhere for three months without somebody else with me because he couldn't climb into the car by himself. And (laughs) because he's just this big roly poly chubby little toddler. Yeah. So so when as soon as I could, I went to the YMCA And I, cause I knew that I needed to get my body active. It was very important. I didn't, but I, but I couldn't like, so let me back up a little bit. I've always really liked exercising. Um, My husband and I have done triathlons. We, um, I like to go paddle boarding. I like to, I was on swim team in high school and water polo team. And um, we, so we, we have a lot of that and um, not being able to do all of that. was really hard for my brain. So um, I was just like, you know what? I just need to move my body. I need to move my body where my son can be cared for. And I just, so when, whenever I would have a friend that was going to the YMCA, I would ask if I could go with them. And Mm -hmm. as long as I had somebody that could get him to the childcare, because getting from the 
parking lot up there was also an ordeal. Um, yes. Then I could just get up to the track and just walk. And so on the wall of that track, it had a sign that, that like, I feel like it changed everything for me. It just had these four simple things. It said, set goals, smash them, clap, and repeat. <laughs> and I was like, that's it. And I had been forgetting the clap part. Yeah. The appreciation that I was doing it, the gratitude that I could do that. I love that. That's so good. So, um, yeah. So that's, that's, so for me, I'm like, I had to set the smallest goals. Like I had to do the smallest things because I could barely move at the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So what was the goal? Um, at the beginning, my goal was just to walk. And I was like, I'm not going to look at the clock. I'm not going to, I I was like, and, and for me, I'm like, okay, how fast can I do a mile in a minute? Like that's been like, you know, I'm always like, want to push myself to the next thing. And I was like, nope, I'm letting go of that. I'm totally like letting go. And I'm just going to walk and I'm just going to do the kindest thing that I can think of for my body. And always, that's, that's why I always ask myself, I'm like, what's the kindest thing I could do for myself today? Oh, I love that because a lot of people I've heard said before, like, you know, don't compare yourself to others, but you should compare yourself to yourself. And I'm like, mm, I don't know if that's so great either, because in your situation, you couldn't compare yourself to what you were before. Right? <laughs> It just like they weren't even in the same league. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the same thing. Mm -hmm. And that's how it is for people in their lives too. When things happen in your life, you have to start where you're at and start small and not compare yourself to where you were before or where, you know, you just, this is the new, like you said, new normal. And yeah. And what's the goal going to be here? You know? So I think that's, that can be really, really helpful for people. So, so how did it go? Tell me, tell me about. Well, it's funny that, that you say not to compare yourself to other people because it, it was so funny because as I was going through the track, I was like, what I ended up doing was comparing myself to all the other people that were going around the track because I wasn't paying yeah. attention to the time. I wasn't paying attention to how many laps I was doing. I mean, I was, yeah. I was cognizant of how long I was going, but like, as I was going around doing each lap, like I was just like, there was nothing for my brain to concentrate on. So my brain's like, okay, let's, let's look at everybody else that's on the track. And I'd be like, no, we're not yeah. doing that. And then sure enough, that's what I kept going back to. And, um, what I, what I finally had to realize was that what, what I really wanted was, um, to give myself affirmation that I was on the track, that I was doing something. And so what really helped me to let go of that was to tell myself that I was proud of myself for doing that. And Mm -hmm. I was also proud of them for being out on the track because obviously not everybody in the world is out there exercising on this YMC track in in Ann Arbor today. There's only a few people out there. And some of them are going to be faster than me. And some of them are going to be slower than me. And I could just be proud of all of us. I like that. Yeah. I like that. And I like how you said that you're just 
on the track, like in people's lives, like, am I, am I on the track? That's all that matters. Mm -hmm. Like not, you know, not if it's perfect or if it was like everyone else or if it was like me 10 years ago, but just that you're out there and that you're doing it. And that's the, yeah. Well, and then I would see all of these old, older um, folks <laughs> at the Y and they are just running and passing me by. And I was just yeah. like, uh, you know, and at first I let it just mean, like make it mean so many bad things about myself. I'm just like, ah, you know, like this, like that means that I suck. Like they're fast and I suck because I'm here being so slow. And yeah. It was funny because I was able to, you know, after many times flip it on its head because I was like, what do I really want to think about this? And I was like looking at that person that was so much older than me, so much faster than me. And I was like, if they're that old and they're going that fast, then that means it's possible. Yeah. It means that it's possible that I could be that old and go that fast. Maybe I should try to learn something from them. (laughs) Yeah. Isn't that a different perspective when we try to look at it that way? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I love that. And it's crazy how that's the question I ask myself the most often is what am I making this mean <laughs> right? you know, with anything in my life? It's one of the biggest things I've taken from life coaching is what am I making this mean? Yeah. And um, yeah, something too is that like I realized that whatever thought patterns I'm having somewhere, I'm having it everywhere in my life. So yes, I talk about the YMCA because it's such a physical reminder to me, but I'm like, it really is happening in all areas of my life. I'm like, oh, everybody's passing me by. Oh, everybody can take care of their kids and I can't. Like I'm making yeah. mean all of these things rather than having a, a default mindset of how to go to. Like that's what happens when our brains are just unmanaged. And so yeah. I've been through this process slowly learning how to manage my brain with grace and kindness and not making it mean anything about me other than I'm just a human. (laughs) Yeah. No, I love that. Well, the other day you were telling us about the things that you're doing and I was amazed. (laughs) I thought it was amazing for anyone, let alone somebody with all the stuff you have going on. You're like, oh, and then I did this and that and this, you know, like you're writing a book. Right? I, I and, am writing a book right now. Like that's huge to me. Yeah. Because I'm not a writer either, <laughs> but I still think it's huge. Like I love, I'm a reader of books. I love books. Yeah. I just don't, I don't like to write. Them. <laughs> yeah. So, so how's that going? That has to do with your, your speech therapy. Yes. Um, yeah. So, right? so like I said, I am a speech therapist. I studied communication disorders in college and, um, So as I've been trying to process how I can do this while still having a pretty limiting disease, you know, kidney disease is something that I will have for the rest of my life. There is no cure and transplant is an excellent treatment option, but it is not a cure. And so Mm -hmm. um, a large part of that is that I've been wanting to, um, to launch a business that is, that enables me to do speech therapy online and especially to help parents of children that have, um, speech therapy issues. And so I've been, um, I've been writing my book for parents that are wondering if their child needs speech therapy. And then also uh, as a roadmap and a guide of how to, um, 
how to manage their own minds and how to go through this process of, of having um, an extra challenge in your life, just like I've had an extra challenges in my life. Yeah. Um, how you can make that the best experience, even if it's not the life that you thought that you would have and not, and not the, uh, necessarily the relationship um, or the experience that your child would have with you. And so um, that's, that's what I'm doing right now. I'm plugging away. I can't wait to get it out into the hands of the parents that need it. And so I'm working really hard on that, (laughs) but um, yeah. Yeah. And I had, I'd actually shared a little bit of a a post a couple of um, about a week or so ago, a couple of weeks ago that, um, that was talking about that starting small part. Yeah. And so I, um, I was wondering if I could just kind of read it to you. Oh, please. Um, cause I was like, that's probably better than, <laughs> than me trying to sum it up. But I was just so yeah. overwhelmed, uh, about, about two weeks ago that I, <laughs> I was literally running on the track and had tears streaming down my face. And I was like, I have to share this. Because yeah. I like just the emotions were running so strong in me of gratitude. And so um, what, I, what I wrote to my, to my friends is that I found myself on the track again and that I have a love-hate relationship with that track. Um, I said, you know, when I felt physically terrible in my healing journey but was well enough to do something, anything, I found myself on this track. I walked it at a snail's pace. I walked this track before I could pick up my toddler after surgery. I put one foot in front of the other, even when my incisions and insides hurt. I became my own therapist on this track. I've listened to podcast scriptures, lots and lots of disturbed, and talked to friends while walking this track. Some days have been so hard. Some days I've had people half a century older than me passing me by on this track like it was nothing. But I just kept going. And something's happened. I've started to run. Not fast, not long for a sustained amount of time, but faster than I could have imagined those weeks and months ago. Those hospital stays and endless needles and lines and a port. During those times, I didn't think this would ever be possible, but it totally is. And you know why? Because I started small. I started so small that even I couldn't talk myself out of it. Please, my friends, if you are overwhelmed or discouraged or upset with how your life is going, please, at the very first, choose kindness for yourself. That was something I always asked myself. Is this the kindest thing I could do for myself? And if it is, and you're waiting for for permission to do it, here's your permission. I'm giving you permission to be kind to yourself and to start small. I'm filled with so much gratitude at this moment that I didn't give up on myself. I knew the key to it all was taking care of myself. And that looked like getting off of the couch and moving my body, even if it was tiny, even if it didn't really feel like I did a thing, but I knew I had, because I know what it feels like to be stuck on a couch for weeks when the most you can do is get up the stairs to the bathroom. I'm so grateful to be able to move this amazing body of mine. We've been through it all together because she is me. Life has put her through the ringer, but here she is just healing despite all the trauma that has happened to her. So I ask you today, my friends, what are you going to start small with? What are you willing to commit to, no matter what, just because it's the kindest thing you can do for yourself? Because this life, this life is so short. I wake up every morning and remind myself that God gave me another day. What will you do with it? Who will you become? Because it starts small.
Oh, I love that, Shelby. That's so perfect. That's why I had to, and I read that, I had to call you and be like, oh, you need to come on my podcast. That's so good. In such a good way, probably to, to end it. Is there anything that you'd want to add to that? Um, or tell people where, you know, when your book's coming out or do they have, is there a website or anywhere to find you about your speech therapy or? So my, my website is out and coming. It is under construction right now. So if you go to it, it will not pop up, but okay. in the future, um, if you're listening to this in the future, my website is shelbykhansen.com and that's Hansen, H-A-N-S-E-N. Okay. And um, that will be where you'll be able to find me hanging out on the blogosphere. Um, I hope to have um, a lot of resources for parents of children that are struggling with speech therapy issues and also um, for parents in general that are struggling with um, with all of the issues that we face as parents. And mm-hmm. um, so and I guess what I just want to leave with you is that um, you know, we, if life can seem super overwhelming. Like a lot of yeah. things happen to us and we may not even realize like all of the things. Like I, it's, it's funny to me because when I, when I sit down and say the things or write down the things, I'm like, who is this person? <laughs> I don't feel like I'm her all the time. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, I, I really believe strongly that, um, that everybody has a story that'll make you cry. Yeah. And I think a lot, there's a lot of power to be had in owning your story, sharing mm-hmm. it and deciding on who you are going to let that story make you become. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. You're in charge. Well, that is so good, Shelby. And we, I'm going to have to have you back on for just the whole speech therapy thing and the, the parent thing. Like that could be a whole nother podcast. Oh yes. Oh yes. It could. For sure. <laughs> All right. Well, again, thank you so much. And thank you for all the work that you're doing out there, Becky. I am so excited to listen to more from you. And I think that, I think that what you're doing and putting out there in the world is just beautiful. And I'm very appreciative to you. Thank you. It's so fun. I love interviewing people. I found out that's kind of been my favorite part. (laughs) Like I've always been an Oprah fan. Like, yeah. I totally see that. Yeah. And I'm like, this is my version of Oprah. So here we go. I love it. (laughs) All right. So thanks again, Shelby. And we'll talk to you later. Okay. Bye. All right. Bye. All right. Wasn't that great? I really enjoyed talking to Shelby and learning from her. Some of the things that stood out to me in our conversation was whether it's dramatic like kidney disease or it's just everyday life we could all be kind to ourselves start small and remember to clap and celebrate even the tiniest victory I hope you all have a beautiful week and I will talk to you later bye